This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Thinking I won't fail is an almost guarantee of my failure. If I think that I won't fail, I'm setting myself up for great failure. Peter, remember, he, he, was, he was the bold one. He was the one that said, you know what? Everybody else deny you, Lord. I'll never deny you. And yet, whose name goes down in history is the one who denied the Lord three times. The guy who said he never would. Those of you who think you're strong, take heed lest you fall. Peter said that even if everyone else would deny Christ, that he would never deny him. Yet Peter was the one who denied Christ three times. However, Peter was a man that learned from his mistakes, and he became a mighty man of God. Just as Jesus Christ changed Peter from impetuous and impulsive to bold and faithful, the Lord wants to do the same in your life. What weaknesses do you have? Christ wants to transform your life. Well, here's Pastor David in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 29, with the conclusion of our character study of Simon Peter. The first lesson is, is that It shows me that beginning rightly does not guarantee finishing rightly. Beginning rightly does not guarantee finishing rightly. Peter got out of the boat in the right way. Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. He stayed there until Jesus said come. But he started out, and perhaps some of you have stepped out in faith in areas in your life. You've made commitments to the Lord and said, Lord, I I trust you in this area, and I'm just going to go. And then all of a sudden it got uncomfortable, and now the worry, the fear, and and you're ready to bail, or you, you, you don't know what's going on. You've got to remain in faith. I can get my eyes off the track. I can get my eyes off the prize. I can get to that point where I begin looking back as I'm plowing the field. I can get to that point where I long for Egypt. Oh, if I just had the onions. You you, you forget all about the fact that you're making bricks without straw, you know, out in the world. I must remain on guard. Even though it started right, I need to finish right. Secondly in the lesson, thinking I won't fail is an almost guarantee of my failure. If I think that I won't fail, I'm setting myself up for great failure. Peter, remember, he, he, was, he was the bold one. He was the one that said, you know what? Everybody else deny you, Lord. I'll never deny you. And yet, whose name goes down in history is the one who denied the Lord three times. The guy who said he never would. Application. The application here is pretty easy for me. I wrote three words. You might want to write these down to help you remember them. Okay. Application for this is focus, focus, focus. And it's got to be the correct focus. To continually maintain that kind of an application of focusing in, in, in the midst of, number one, a, a flesh that continually calls out and demands its own way, uh, a, a world that's continually alluring and always lies about the consequences of following the world. If you haven't figured that one out, listen, that'll come to you as a, a stark reality. 
the world lies to you. Okay? When the world says, oh no, this is a lot more fun than doing the other thing. The fun has a great price to it. Also, the fact that the enemy, who knows my weaknesses, he does not sleep in his desire to see me fail. I have to continually be diligent of those things. Well, let's go to our third point here in the study on the character of Peter. I want to look at another aspect of Peter's life. Peter, Peter was a man that did learn from his experiences, and that's a good thing. And when he was empowered by the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost, he was a powerful force for the kingdom of God, and we see that in so many ways. First, we see in the early chapters of the book of Acts this boldness of Peter that's just suddenly, yes, we knew before he was bold, we knew before that he was impetuous, uh, but there was a reactionary you know, idea, there was a full of fleshness that was there. Well, now he's full of the Holy Spirit, and God has taken this weakness of Paul's and made it a strength for the glory of God. Look in Acts chapter 2 as we see this declaration that Peter makes. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, and you know the story here. This is after the day of Pentecost, and uh, the, the people in the upper room, they'd been uh, speaking in tongues and praising God in, in other languages, and men from everywhere around say, wow, we hear them praising God in our own language. These guys must all be, well, the ones that didn't understand what was going on, they said, these guys must be drunk. And Peter goes out, no, these guys aren't drunk says in verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it came to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now let me stop here just for a moment. Peter is talking to not a crowd of 50, not a crowd of 500, but he's talking to a crowd literally of thousands. And we're talking again, people that he doesn't know as well as some that he may know. People from foreign countries who are, who are there, some who are there who are the leaders and the rulers there in Jerusalem. And so Peter stands up before this crowd and begins proclaiming these things. Let me jump down to verse 22. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know. This is a pretty accusatory language that he's using here, okay? Do you get that? He says, You guys know about this. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, and you've crucified him and put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Do you think that at this point, Peter is making any friends within the crowd? No, I, I think there's probably a real stirring and mumbling. Outside of the fact that as he's speaking, it's not just Peter stating these things, but it's the Holy Spirit now. And the Holy Spirit has 
arrows that are going into these men's hearts all through that crowd. All through that crowd, people suddenly are being convicted because of their own sin, because of the reality of what they knew to be true, because of the signs and the wonders and the miracles that God, that Christ had done, because of the words that he had spoken, because of the way that he had ministered. They knew that they were guilty, and now as the Holy Spirit is speaking through Peter, man is just zinging right into their hearts. Skip down to verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Empowered, emboldened, not by his own resources, not by his own abilities, but by the Spirit of God. And so what happens? Look in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And then verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word, now let me stop right there, those who gladly received his word, that tells me that there were some who did not gladly receive his word. As a matter of fact, history shows us, the book of Acts shows us, not everybody received the word. And some were kind of irritated about the word. They rejected the voice of God in their own heart. But those that received the word, as it says, gladly were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Here we see the zealousness. Is that a real word, zealousness? We, we see the zealousness of, of, of Peter that's now being directed by the Spirit of God, and we see God-empowered results. Here we see a man that's filled with the Holy Spirit, emboldened enough to be able to speak the fullness of truth without any kind of compromise. And you know what happens? God moves. God moves. I don't think Peter had to persuade anyone. Peter just had to be faithful to what the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. And suddenly, Peter didn't even have to give an altar call. When Peter stopped, everybody, they started crying out, Hey, 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 what do I do with that? Don't leave me like this. What do I do? Oh, man, my prayer would be on a Sunday morning as we've shared the gospel, as we declared the message, that we just say, okay, amen, you guys go on. And three or four would say, whoa, 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 don't leave me like that. What do I do with this? Repent. 
be baptized, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. A little bit later, in Acts 4, we read of Peter and John being put in jail, brought up on charges of disturbing the peace. Why? Because they're preaching about Jesus. Part of that crowd that did not receive gladly the word that they heard is now you know, pretty ticked off at Peter and John and the rest of the apostles. And so they brought them, put them in jail, and they, they brought them before the council here in Acts chapter 4. And the word says that Peter, once again, filled with the Holy Spirit, he begins to preach to these religious leaders. And he declares to them, this Jesus whom you crucified, God raised him from the dead. Again, not pulling any punches. Emboldened again by the Holy Spirit. Look in uh, Acts 4, verse 11. He goes on to say to these guys, he says, This is the stone which was rejected by you builders. Again, the boldness and the brashness of Peter. He didn't say, you know, some have rejected him. Maybe, you know, no, he said, no, you have rejected him. He has become the chief cornerstone. Then he declares, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And it's interesting what it says here. It says that the council then takes note of the fact that although these guys were not seminary trained or trained in the school of the rabbis, that's what they mean by uneducated, but they, they didn't go through the school of the rabbis, but here they are, they're instructing these leaders. It was apparent to these guys, it was apparent to the council, that Peter and John had been with Jesus. It says in verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I love that. I love the very fact that they hear these guys speak. They don't come and say, hey, listen, by the way, we've been hanging out with Jesus. Here's our card, Disciples of Jesus. It's just by the very presence of these guys. I, 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 if, if they would have acted in their own strength, I really believe that the stench of their own flesh would have just overwhelmed the council. But instead, though the council didn't like the aroma that they smelled, I believe that they smelled on these guys the very essence of Jesus. The very essence of Jesus. My grandmother who's now long been with the Lord. If you ever hung around her very long, you would leave her trailer and her presence smelling like my grandmother. There was some kind of powder she used to always use that you walked in, you know grandma's in here. She didn't have, what was it? My sin? Oh, I probably shouldn't put that on anything. Uh, my sin, I guess is what it was. Uh, but, but, I mean, it was there. And when you walked away from her, you, you, you had that essence on you. Don't lose the point here, folks. If you and I are long in the presence of Jesus, the very essence of Jesus ought to be emanating from us. And that's what they saw as these guys spoke to them. said, wow, all I know is they've been with Jesus. I, I, I can tell that. After the council rebuked him, told him, hey, don't speak in that guy's name anymore, 
Peter and John didn't just leave and say, okay. They actually still had that boldness. They were still filled with the Spirit. And down in verse 18, it's, uh, again, it brings us to the point. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Rather, it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They were unashamed. They were unhampered by the, the, the blundering of their own flesh because they were filled with the Spirit and they were moving in the Spirit rather than their own flesh. And so Peter was able to once again boldly declare his absolute and total faith in Jesus and his own personal willingness to face whatever the consequences were. These guys really, truly, they had power of life and death, imprisonment or freedom over Peter and John, and John in boldness said, you know what, should I obey you or should I obey God? But I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to continue to speak what I know and what I've experienced. Then they left the room. And, and, and I love the rest of that story. Because when they went back to the rest of the disciples, they had a prayer meeting. And you know what their prayer meeting was not about? Oh, Lord, save us from the great persecution that we're having. That's, that's not what they were praying. They prayed, Lord, give us the boldness in the midst of the persecution to continue to proclaim your word. That's powerful. God continued to work in this brother's heart and many came to Christ because of his steadfastness and because of the boldness of his witness. He was untrained by the world's standards, yet he was educated at the foot of the master. Now that's not belittling education. Education is a good thing. But you know what? Education is not going to be the thing that's going to prepare you to be strong within your Christian faith. Education does a tremendous amount of things for you. But you know what? The greatest thing in your Christian walk is the time that you and I spend with Jesus. But let me take you one more place before we close with the final principle, the final lesson, the final application. Go with me, if you would, to Galatians chapter 2. Paul speaking here to the church of Galatia. Speaking, in essence, about how, again, his, his place as an apostle, he's trying to, again, defend to the, to the Galatians his standing as an apostle and his position as one of the apostles, the authority that he has. I won't be able to read all of it. But down in verse 7, Galatians chapter 2, verse 7, Catch the story there. He says, but on the contrary, and this is Paul writing, on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. He says, and and when James and Cephas, who is Peter, and John, who, and catch this, who seemed to be pillars... In other words, James and Peter and John, they were leaders within the church. We can go back to Acts chapter 15. We see what's called the Jerusalem Council. We see that Peter and James and John, all three of these seem to have some kind of authority there. Not only were they apostles, but we see that they had authority among that, that council and among the churches. And so 
Paul is speaking of that. He says when, when James and Cephas, or Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles, and they would go to the circumcised. So in other words, we'd go to the Gentiles, they would go to the Jews and minister to the Jews. Two different ministries, but yet under still the same banner of Christ. So they desired only that we should remember the poor, and that's the very thing which I also was eager to do. Now verse 11 is where I want to bring you. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him face to face, or to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But then when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews, they also played what? The hypocrite with him. So that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. And when I saw that, that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why are you compelling the Gentiles to live as Jews? Do you catch what's going on here? Peter, you need to understand, I I want to bring you a little bit of background real quick here. Do you remember the story when, when Peter was there in Jaffa? Simon the Tanner's house, and he was like so hungry. And they said, well, dinner's not ready yet. And so Peter went up on top of the roof, and he began praying. He said, well, dinner's not ready. I'll go ahead and pray. And so as he's praying, he falls into a trance. Maybe it's a food, a lack of food coma or what. Uh, he, he falls into a trance. And the Lord brings down the sheet, and in it were all these creepy, crawling things. And in the vision, the Lord tells him to eat. And Peter says, no, Lord. I'm not going to do that. I I don't eat those kinds of things. I'm a a Jew. I'm a a good Jew. I've never eaten those things since my youth. And the sheet goes up. Well, three times that comes down. And finally, the third time, he realized there's a knock at the door. And there's Gentiles that are there that Peter needs to go and minister to. So here, this Jew that's never done a whole lot with Gentiles, now God is calling to do. And the message of that sheet was, man, don't call unholy what I call holy. You just do what I command you to do. Again, it's another lesson that Peter had to learn. Always, always, you've got to remember, we are always learning lessons. And if you ever get to a point in your life, in your Christian walk, where you're not learning lessons, oh, be fearful, be greatly fearful, because you're not under the Master who is teaching you, if you're not learning lessons. Go and minister to these Gentiles. So, here in... in Paul is, is talking about how, how Peter had, had come there to Antioch and he was, he was hanging out with the Gentiles. It was really cool. I was fine. And then all of a sudden some Jews from Jerusalem come and Peter gets kind of, con- whoa, maybe I ought not be with the Gentiles. I'm going to go, I'm going to pull away from them. And some of the other Jews who knew that it was okay to be with the Gentiles, suddenly they were drawn away because Peter was a pillar. Peter the pillar with, with, drew them away from it. And even Barnabas was drawn away from it. So here's the principle. Even those who have been in the faith for a long season, even those who are in places of leadership, even those who have good and kind intentions, even those who know the truth can blow it. All of us are capable of failure, and successes of the past don't guarantee successes for the future. Peter lived a long life. His ministry spanned over 30 years. It's said that he was crucified under Emperor Nero. 
And he was crucified not normally, but he was crucified upside down because he told them that he was not worthy to be crucified the same way that his Jesus was. Peter warns the church scattered throughout the world. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. The Bible is full of people who followed God, some before Jesus came, some after. Pastor David will share insights from the lives of some of these followers with hopes that our own personal characters will be enriched and that we'll become better disciples for Jesus. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to www.theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although The Open Word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings, or Wednesday evenings. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande website. Make sure and check out our Facebook page, log on to theopenword.com, and then follow the link to the Open Word Facebook page. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.